Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. We're back on the Oz Network to talk about 24, season 5, episode 10, uh, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m., otherwise known as the one that Ben bins. Um, and. <laughs> the Friends episode. The one. We know. <laughs> the one that Ben bins. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is the February 27, 2006 episode. Uh, Tim Aikafana, I think I got his name right, written by Joel Sternow, Michael Losef, um, and I can already tell you we're going to have some disagreements on this episode because I, 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 I said last week, I'm like, I, I had, don't necessarily have the fondest memories of this episode. It's been like, oh, what an amazing episode, but I'm like, there was some good stuff in here, and you were talking about how much you hate it. You gave plenty of reasons why you hated it uh, in the weeks leading up here, and um, I don't necessarily think that I disagree with you, but I don't necessarily think that I agree with everything either. Um, I think that there's some good stuff in here. I actually found IMDb. This is Did actually you? one of the highest. Rank- well, this is one of the highest ranked episodes of the season, which I thought was a little bit unusual. It's main uh, dumb bums. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, well, we'll break it down here and find out where Ben is right and where he's wrong. My name is Colin and fine. <laughs> I've got two. I don't know which to choose. I'm fucking. I'm going with two. Um. And hi, this is Jane Esposito. Jane, what's her name? Just hang on. Let me try that again. Es- Espen- hi, this is Jane Esposito from accounting. And uh, good afternoon, John Barry with Eclipse. I've got a four thirty with R and D. Well, you picked the right one, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a half. There's double whammy there. Whoa. It's a magic time here. Um, yes. Anyway, this episode, like, I I think I went into it with an open mind, uh, but also in the back of my head, thinking about all the things that you said, and depending on which scene I was watching, I'm like, I see what he's talking about in other scenes. I'm like, oh, I kind of like this. Um, I think that you have some very solid points. I think, though, that the fun of this episode, especially if you are kind of viewing it through the lens of, don't look at the rest of the season. Just judge this episode on its own. I think that there's some great stuff in here. There's some good tension. I think particularly is Jack's storyline that suffers this week. Uh, but the CTU stuff I really liked. I think the performances, again, Sean Astin, where was his Emmy this year? Mm. Uh, he's amazing. And we finally get some good stuff from Kim Raver. Uh, she's really delivering. And Curtis is... Proven his worth. He's doing something. Uh, a lot of people are actually doing stuff this week. And then you got Edgar and Chloe just kind of causing confusion. But uh, I don't mind this episode. And the, uh, I want to add the Logans as well. Like, wow. Um, really good stuff from uh, Gene Smart and Gregory Itson. Look, I want to like this episode. I don't... This isn't... 
next season or like amnesia or cougars like this is an episode i legitimately want to like because i think it starts off okay and there's some foundations in this episode that can work but i think why i hold this so low is that i have such high standards for this season we've had such a great start to this season we've still got some amazing stuff to come from this season but like this episode just to me has so many plot holes it has so many like just turns from characters that make no sense jack bauer is stupid in this episode which annoys me the mm. ctu stuff is beyond frustrating they like change freaking lynn for two sec to make him so you've fully got to hate him sorry kerry but like you're <laughs> gonna get the brunt of this other than that everything he does is correct there's a Gun showdown in CTU for reasons. Logan prays for reasons. There's so many problems with this episode, which just cannot make me like it. I'm saying it now. This is the worst episode of the season. There is only one more bin this season that I can remember, and that is slightly above this episode. But, yeah, this is the low point to me of this season. And, again, I want to like it, but... It's also one of these episodes that I feel that it really, on the grand scheme of things, doesn't achieve anything. Like, it's kind yeah, of... that's the biggest problem. In a week or two, it's kind of just done with. And, like, well, what was the point? Like, you're going all out with an action sequence and, oh, we're standing up to Lynn and all this kind of stuff. But, like, literally in, like, a week or two, it's going to be completely forgotten about. And what the fuck's the point? So, yeah, I'm interested to hear your defense for some of the stuff in this episode because, yeah, I'm really going to not be a happy camper this time around. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, uh, going through uh, the recap itself, it's not going to take too long. I'll, I'll just sort of start by saying, I think last week, a lot of that same frustration with Lynn and everything that's going on at CTU, uh, it sort of prepared me for this week because I think that this week's maybe not quite as bad. Uh, last week, I, I wish, still wish they'd written this in a different direction because last week was where Lynn had a point with everything. And this week, if they had maybe scripted one or two lines in there, you could see this as, Everybody kind of pushed Lynn too far. You know, his breakdown in this episode is because of all the disrespect he's received leading up to this. And that's where I think I accept this week a little bit more because the, the, I don't think the show's even necessarily going out of the way to have it. When Lynn's saying things like, none of you are respecting, none of you are, you know, treating me as the boss here. And, you know, you're basically making me not trust you. He has a point, but nobody's disagreeing there. I think if there was even one character like, Lynn's just off his rocker. What is he talking about? Then it would bother me more. But the fact that the characters, when he's saying this and he's having his breakdown, they don't say we disagree. They also don't say we agree with you. I can kind of look at that as like, you know, they are kind of responsible for Lynn's breakdown here. Um, And yeah, I will agree with you that uh, what this accomplishes uh, in the grand scheme of things, not much. I mean, but I think we've had a two episode build up to this and it's better than just these one off episodes where it's one and done. We have the action stuff of the week and then we're going to forget about the next week. At least we have two weeks here. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you with Aline. It, it make because you're right. He he needs to break down. You can see why. But I think they just like, it's just the manner in which like, I still just, it just frustrates me so much with CTU. Like, we're going to go COVID. Because like literally within two seconds, I know I'm jumping at it here, but literally within two seconds is he's buggered off. Let's call Bill. Let's do everything. Blah, 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 blah. Bring us up to speed, Chloe and Edgar. What have you been doing behind our backs, you old scallywags? <laughs> like, tell Lynn. Like, literally, okay, he's going a bit cray-cray. But, like, prior to that, everything that you brought to him, 
he went on board with. You you yeah. had nothing to go against it. Like it's just even uh. in this episode, there, there's one point in this episode where he's like, "Okay, so tell me, and I'll say okay." <laughs> exactly, and like, but that's where I think it's like it's they they go ott with the fact that it's like poor old her name's not Carrie, it's Carrie apparently. Um, yeah. which I we already had a Carrie. We did, didn't we? But uh, I mean, Carrie becomes a bit more important in a couple of weeks as well. So we're going to get more of Carrie. Um, don't don't write her off yet with her being fired. <laughs> but like, it's just. That's the one time where Lin is maybe being a bit too like, okay, you shouldn't have fired her. That's a bit too yeah. far because what Chloe does two seconds later is worse than what Carrie does and she doesn't get fired. So, yeah, anyway. But, like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's it's this level of that 24 has got a 24 and, and they, they, they take this too far sometimes with this whole, like, we're going to do anything we can with Jack and Jack's got to work against the system because Jack's our hero. Mm-hmm. And like again, it's entertainment. Again, I get why I'm, why they're doing it. And also, this was a thing that TV did back in the day on particularly network television. That's what they did. But it's more of that case of like sometimes you just need to trust your superiors. Like we've talked a lot yeah. in Double Seven about James Bond. Like we're getting a bit sick of James Bond's rogue. He's working against you know like like we get it. Like mm-hmm. why can't James Bond just work for MI Six? He's twenty years. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I, I get frustrated with a lot of this stuff, particularly when it comes to drawing guns on, <laughs> come on. Uh, see, see, and again, I'll kind of defend that. I kind of like that oh. scene, but, uh, but, uh, we're seeing like season four where we talked a lot about like the bad work environment to the bad morale and people are basically leveraging to get ahead. Uh, even those who are getting tortured, still share some blame <laughs> in the ctu environment and now we have this ctu environment where nobody is trusting the authority like it, it this is something that i really want explored more and we're kind of two seasons in of them maybe the writers wanted to play around with this but like no 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 we're on the fox network here <laughs> you know uh you don't you don't side with uh the the uh, employee side with the employees or something like that uh but i mean i i we've all been in work environments where there's good uh you know uh, morale and uh everything and then there's bad morale and uh this isn't even a thing about morale but uh you know what i kind of want somebody just to say like hey lynn's the boss you do what he tells you to you know i i I remember um multiple times in my job this is more so when i first got my job and it's not like people are like going against what i'm saying to do i'm like okay so let's do this and people like yeah but why like but why don't we do this instead and it wasn't usually me. It was usually my boss who'd be sitting in the background saying, because Colin's the boss, do what he tells you. <laughs> and I just want somebody here to say, somebody in the, like Curtis almost gets there. And I think that's one of the things I appreciate about this episode is Curtis is almost there in this episode where he's like, doesn't matter if you agree or not. This is what Lynn said to do. Do what he, he's the boss. We don't really get that. And, and I, I don't think we ever get that in CTU, but that's, if you ever bring 24 back, let's do that. Let's show that there are issues in the work environment where it's not always the bad leader, it's the bad employees. But uh, before we even get to the CTU stuff, the Jack stuff's the stuff that really can be covered first because yeah. to me, this is the worst part of the episode and and completely pointless other than the fact that we get introduced to the great Peter Weller here who I, I watched a double shot of Peter Weller yesterday because uh, <laughs> I watched this 24 episode and then through not even my own suggestion and without her even realizing who he was, Jimmy's like, do you know which movie I really want to watch? I haven't seen in a long time, RoboCop. Hmm. So we Paul McCrane as well. Yeah, oh, I was going to ask if you uh, remembered he was in that I've movie. Ne- I've never seen it, but I know that the, the, there was a big thing in the 24 fan community from this season and next season where they kind of said, like, did they just get RoboCop actors? Because like that's all <laughs> that, that was like a big ongoing joke in this period of 24. 
Yeah, and I, I didn't even realize or I had forgotten Paul McCrane was in it. And like the 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 sequence where Peter Weller's character basically gets almost killed, which results in turning into RoboCop. Uh, there's like four or five guys in a gang, and one of them is Paul McCrane. And when he goes back to through going against his programming, starts trying to get revenge on these guys, Peter Weller is now going after Paul McCrane. I'm like, oh, the very season five like. But uh, yeah, Peter Weller, I mean, he he's kind of a uh, a B-movie icon, even in the 80s. I mean, even before RoboCop, there's a movie, I almost guarantee you've never heard of it. Most people haven't, but it has like a massive cult following. It's called The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Uh, <laughs> it is a wild movie. It is a movie that's like supposed to be really cheesy and bad. Uh, he He plays a guy who is like, a part-time scientist, a part-time uh, rocket car daredevil driver, a part-time <laughs> jazz musician, a part-time test pilot, and part-time, uh, I think I said musician as well. Uh, and <laughs> it's like the, a cheesy, you could almost see it at like the sci-fi Indiana Jones, you know, which we are covering right now. Um, but you got John Lithgow in the movie playing like the most ridiculous character. You got Jeff Goldblum in it playing what? one of his... Jeff Goldblum, look up Jeff Goldblum Chris and Buckaroo Banzai. in it as well? Oh, yeah. It, 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 this, this movie is insane. It is meant to be insane. It is so funny. Uh, but Peter Weller is in that before he was even in RoboCop. But, I mean, he, he kind of always just been like this B-movie guy. And now, of course, on Rabbit Hole. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we get introduced to him in here. Uh, I'll, I'll just The Jack story, really all it is, is that he's going to get into uh, om, 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 I keep wanting to call Omnicron, but Omicron or whatever. Yeah, I keep going to call Omnicron, but then I saw it spelled and then they started saying Om, 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 Om yeah. yeah. Omnicron is SARS or, or uh, COVID, one of those diseases. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? But, what's uh, that COVID? Never heard of it. Uh, but uh, Jack basically needs a false identity. And this is one of the things that's pointless where you just needed a reason at CTU for people to be distracted for Lynn to get upset. Yeah. He's like, oh, I need a false identity to get here. So he gets to reception. Hi, John Barry. B-A-I-E. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets past security. And then he's just roaming around a building that is virtually empty. And he goes up to a secretary. Excuse me, where's the men's room? That way, sir. Like this would have been so easy for him to slip in the back door. There is no security anywhere in this building. It is apparently staffed with a security guard, the receptionist and Peter Weller. And that's it. Uh, And then he basically gets into Peter Weller's office and immediately gets tased, which I did like that. Like Henderson's tasing Jack. As soon as he comes in there, he just knows. Uh, And I think this is one of the things that um, I understand more because I was sort of surprised last week. I'm like, wait, they introduced Bierko and then they introduced Henderson right away? Like, it really happened this quickly? And then I kind of reason, the reason why is because of how they play this scene where it's like, you are put off suspecting Henderson right away during the sequence. When Jack's kind of been going over with Audrey about, oh yeah, you know, he's the guy who recruited me, but then there was this investigation and he was fired for misconduct or whatever. He was feeling up Carrie. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Carrie and Chloe and Edgar and everybody. Um he stole Lynn's key card. That's what happened. And he got fired. And uh, he's basically saying, I didn't do it. And and you you believe him because of the way that Peter Weller performs this, where he's like, really, who set you up? Goes, I don't know. It was uh, George Mason or Nina yeah, Myers. name he, drops. Yeah, he name drops the people where even the audience is going to be like, oh. Oh, maybe he's not he name drop George Mason? Because George wasn't evil. Like, that doesn't well, make sense but to me. As we, as we covered, though, in what season 
two or season one, whatever it was where his bank account balance was revealed. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there's that little trivia thing where it's like, it actually amounts to the same amount they said was stolen. Uh, yeah, I, he still, uh, whether or not he was evil or not, he was definitely a bad boss, right? And you wouldn't, you wouldn't know when against him because he was a man. He stood up for himself. He didn't exactly. allow, <laughs> He didn't section one twelve. Like, I'm George Mason. He, he just got shot instead. Where was where was section one twelve during Mason's time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Chappelle, like, come on. <laughs> definitely worse bosses, but uh, but even just the way that him and Jack play off of each other, like like he has so much confidence and he's standing up to Jack, and then Jack's immediately like, oh okay, well why don't you help me? Okay, Jack, fine, I'll help you. And then he's like, I got to take you down to archives to get this information you need. Open a socket. I got to open a socket from downstairs. Now they're gone for half the episode after this, which forget <laughs> about half the episode of the running time with commercials is 30 minutes to get down to the basement. Well, I think I know why, because like judging on Joanna Tandy's uh, desk, <laughs> she's literally in the most emptiest warehouse of a room with a desk in front of a door. Like, Why is yeah. that room so big and so empty? Like, I don't, Joanna Tandy, oh, I'm going to go down to accounting. Like, yeah, you got to walk oh. eight miles. But let's let's also uh, uh, talk about here Joanna Tandy. Um, Gregory Itzen is her number one fan. The, the commentary Please. on this episode, <laughs> well, the, the commentary in this episode is Gregory Itzen and Gene Smart together. Which, even if you hate this episode, if you have access to the commentary, just listen to their commentary. They need their own variety show. Like they basically do half of the commentary as if they are Charles and Martha Logan, a parody of Charles and Martha Logan. Uh, they're insulting each other half the time. They're talking lovey-dovey half the time. They're perving on the cast half the time. Gene Smart has a big thing for Roger Cross, like a big thing for Roger Cross. Gregory Roger Itzen, Cross has got a big thing, let's be honest. <laughs> well, we know he does. Uh, and he tells you, I've off. got a big penis. <laughs> it's very then, <laughs> Gregory Itzen having a thing for both uh, Kim Raver and uh, Secretary Tandy here. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a very fun commentary, but... Uh, yeah, like she's dispensed with very quickly by Audrey <laughs> calling her up. Oh, I need you to go down to wherever. It's like, yeah, okay, Mr. Henderson, I'm going to leave. Now, again, Jack checks in with her. He could have just walked past. Like, again, there's nobody here. Why he had to stop and be like, excuse me, where's the men's room? When he could just called Audrey and said, there's a secretary here. Call the secretary and get her to move. Uh, but yeah, when they get down to archives, I do love the, uh, the one line. I, I I don't remember what it was. There was something we watched recently where there's a very similar scene where Jack's like, you're telling me you don't know the, the whatever the code for this uh, or the, this person's code. And he's like, Jack, I have 8,000 people who work underneath me. You think I know everything that goes on in my company? Do you remember what it was we talked about recently where somebody used that defense? Like, this is a massive company. You think I know everything that goes on? I, I barely remember what we said two minutes ago, Colin. Like, <laughs> but, but again, it's like, it's something that Henderson does where the audience trusts him a little bit more. And it's partly because, like, the guy's still a jerk, but, like, he's making sense. Uh, he says, oh, sorry, I got to go to the other room. I, I got to go use the men's room. Uh, I'll be back in 45 minutes. Uh, and then Jack's just sort of snooping around, and then he sees a, a, a detonator that's been left there, and he's like, he double-crossed me. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, he was evil all along. And then we get the, a very cheesy shot of Henderson already in his limo. It took him six years to get down to archives. <laughs> it took him about 10 seconds to get to his limo, and he's got... A detonator with a blinking light on top. Boom. <laughs> this he is the from, worst part He stole that from Buckeyes in the eighth dimension. It's just a cheesy prop. Yeah, this is a Buckaroo Bonsai thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love Buckeyes in the eighth dimension. That's good. <laughs> That's what it's called. <laughs> but even Jack, how could I be so stupid? Oh. 
Um, it, yeah, th this is really bad. Jack throws a filing cabinet from the door because getting nuked by a fridge. Um, <laughs> this is the theme of the week here. Smiling cabinet, save lives, people. Uh, the, I, you know what I always think of? I use this line all the time. The Simpsons, uh, one with the, the daredevil, mm. uh, where Bart wants to become a daredevil, where the guy just suddenly in front of the audience says, and remember, kids, seatbelts save lives, so buckle up. <laughs> Filing cabinet, save lives, so buckle up. Um, yeah, this is really bad. And again, like it's 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 here just to give the audience that that one moment where they're thinking, oh, this guy can't be evil. But I do kind of like now that they introduce him only in one episode after Bierko and then reveal him that same episode because you're breaking that 24 formula everybody's so used to. We had that act one villain. Nathanson's gone. Now we've got Bierko. So if you're introducing Henderson, there's no way he's a villain. And then you add on top of that, oh, we think he's evil, but then Jack trusts him and you kind of the performance makes you trust him. But now he's actually evil. So breaking the formula kind of wins me over a little bit on this. But this is dumb. This whole Jack mission is dumb this week. I agree to an extent, but I also don't because I think it's just so rushed. Take this. Take another episode before you reveal he's evil because it it just makes Jack look even stupider. And if you know this is going to happen, it's kind of obvious. Like it's just. And what makes Jack so stupid is that like a week ago he's all like, I'm Omicron. Christopher Henderson, oh, I'm going to go there. And then, like, we get the reveal that this was a guy that recruited him to CTU. So, like, this yeah. this is, like, how they fuck up next season with his family. Like, these should be big things that mean something to this character. You know, the guy who recruited him to CTU, like, this is a big deal. His family. Bigger than Saunders. Exactly. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Like, the, the, the key issue here is you don't have a picture of Jack and Henderson pointing at something in a photo <laughs> over there. That's, that's how you know they're bonded. But again, you're right. Saunders is a perfect example. They do that well with Saunders because they drag that out enough where before you get a face-to-face -face meeting, you know there's history there. So when you get that, man, that's why I think Saunders is so well-developed and it means something. Whereas this, like, this is this has got to mean something, I feel. And it just it just doesn't. And it's just, it, Jack just, I hate it when they change a character like Jack like this to the point where he's just so dumb. Because, like, literally he's all like, oh, yes, and, you know, he sold secrets and blah, blah, blah. And even Audrey's got that line where it's kind of like, oh, you know, did you think he did it or something like that? And he goes, at the time I did. Like, you need another line in there and say something like, yeah, I heard he had a pretty hard time afterwards. He hit the bottle and, like, he did this and... <laughs> You know, he was hooked on heroin. But even, like, seriously, like, and be like, you're like, oh, like, he tried to contact me, but I just blew him off, and I heard this, and I heard that, and, you know, maybe I should have given him a chance because he was so good to me. Like, you need something like that. Like, you, all you hear from Jack is, well, I thought at the time he was. So the last interaction that we know Jack has with this guy is he's evil. And then Jack yeah. walks into this room. He's tasered by him. <laughs> and, like, even that's not explained. Like, how does he know Jack's coming in? Like, we need a line where he's like... Oh, he's former CTU. He would know. But, like, but we need a line like, Yes, I thought it was suspicious that uh, my secretary went to archive. She never goes there. And I saw you sneak in on the camera, Jack. And I know what you're like. like yeah. Because it, it's so rushed. From that point on, mm -hmm. Jack just spills the beans straight away. Oh, Canada says gas. Mm, well, you thought I was evil five years ago and you're back for more. See her. <laughs> oh, you scallywag. It just feels so rushed. Drag this out over two more episodes or something like that. Because when you get this like so obvious reveal that he's going to lock him in the room, 
you've kind of got Jack speaking on behalf of the like writers, realizing they've made a mistake, going, "Oh, how could we be so stupid? Let's just forget about this." And then it's just like it's kind of what I have a, a problem with Julian Sands's character, and we've got to talk about him about what's happened. Yeah. We didn't mention about him, <laughs> but like. Like he just drops these obvious, cheesy, almost like cartoony trailer lines. And this is what I just feel Christopher Henderson does here when he's like on the, the phone. He's like, oh, Jack, like, well, what's he doing? He's in a room. Are you going to get rid of him? In about one minute, he will be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he may as well just start like laughing really loudly because then he pulls out like this prop. <laughs> it's like kill, feel, bomb. May as well say detonator on it. And then like Jack like literally like lifts open a floor. Hmm, I could hide in there. <laughs> filing cabinet. <laughs> Always have a filing cabinet. And then even the way the bomb goes off, Jack literally just goes out, oh, dust myself off, off we go, more work to do. And then, like, even, like, there's really bad sound effects in this scene. Like, like you hear this, like, this literally sounds like sound effects I got from, like, soundeffects.com for Kill Phil, like, the most obvious bad, like, the Foley artists were not on form for this week. It's just bad, and it just, I hate that it cheapens Jack. And it's just like, this is maybe the most pointless Jack episode we've ever had. I just feel, and yeah, you're setting up Christopher Henderson. Because again, I, I would argue Christopher Henderson is technically the big bad of this season. Paul McCrane technically is based on next yeah. season. But like, it's kind of, you're going to, from this point on, you're going to get this Bierko Henderson kind of, who's the bad one? Who's this? Who that? Bierko will disappear for like eight episodes and all of a sudden, surprise, Bierko's back. And I have a big problem with that. But anyway, it's it's dumb. You you raised some good points. I think that the best point being that this could have been dragged out even over two episodes or three episodes. Because um, I don't think that anything changes if you drag this out one or two extra weeks. Uh, I think the surprise is still there. And in some ways, it may have been more effective. I still think that it, it kind of works here. That, that, oh, he's evil. No, he's not evil. But yeah, he is evil. But uh, I, I wouldn't have been opposed to them making this last a little bit longer. I, I do like, though, just the disdain that he has for yeah, everything by CTU. Who's running CTU nowadays? And it's like, oh, Bill McCann, <laughs> what a stiff. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like that in one minute he will. I, I, maybe this is where if you I, if you're looking at the, the actors they've hired, uh, Julian Sands and mm. Peter Weller, you kind of know they're going for like these B-movie villains or B-movie characters. So maybe you accept these boomy lines like in one minute it will be more. Like, like I get it though. Like and like that's why I said like I think last week where I'm like indifferent on the way Julian Sands delivers it because like I like it's it's cheesy and bad, but it's kind of endearing at the same time. Because yeah. again, if you really pinpoint twenty-four, like I mean, you know, oh I'm gonna destroy LA with a nuke. Like it's very Bondian, you know what I mean? And it's kind of just they they toe the line of realism versus like over the top right so yeah i get it but i don't know like it's just it's yeah but i mean it, it does lead us to next week to getting a great scene with jack and henderson's wife i don't know if you watched the episode yet oh, but, um, i i i looked to see what it was about and so i know oh yeah henderson's wife <laughs> i do kind of i do kind of like jack torturing he's like it's it's a, it's a it's a nice like wool over your eyes moment next but, week so speaking of torture doesn't uh, Henderson say here, I handed over all of the Centox of the DOD? Yeah, he says something like that. Yeah, he specifically says DOD. Because I remember when he said that, I'm like, wait, so Jack's always exploring every lead. 
shouldn't he at least be questioning Audrey at this point? Because I don't think it's been mentioned at any point up until now. Colin had Audrey's involvement, but yet now now it's like okay, well maybe the DOD. Please do not mention the word Jack torturing Audrey because we get an episode <laughs> of that this season, and I fucking hate it. It's so it's stupid. We do get a scene of that this season because hey, wouldn't it be cool if Jack has to interrogate and torture Audrey? Like, ugh. that'll have some ramifications. Yeah, don't get me started. But anyway, um, yeah, the the CTU stuff will cover first. We kind of have to save the Logan stuff for last here. Uh, so so Audrey, she's really sending some mixed signals to Edgar in this episode. Everyone Edgar, this episode. Well, Edgar, meet me in the server room. Come alone. <laughs> I can just see Edgar like, <laughs> all right, finally losing my virginity. <laughs> uh, gotta get some condoms. Uh. That's it. I read you loud and clear, Audrey. Wink. <laughs> I want it to be like, you know, um, on How I Met Your Mother, the naked man. He just like, he's like, what's that with like um, Barney and Ted? You remember those episodes where like, it's, no. it's basically their play, which probably doesn't really hold up in today's landscape, is that they bring home a girl on like a date. She goes to the bathroom and then as she enters the room back, they're just standing there naked. And like two out of three times it works and they get, they get laid. The other time they get like, you know, done for sexual assault, basically. So You've naked. tried it, haven't you? I will not comment on that, Colin. <laughs> but uh, I think it could have been even more fun when he's like, all right, Audrey, I'll be there in one second. And then he gets there and closes it. It's like, Ooh, there's three of us here. <laughs> chicka, chicka, uh, wow, is- wow. Or is disappointed? Like, What's Chloe doing here? <laughs> I can't have sex with more than one girl at once. What <laughs> it doesn't mean? work like that. Women can't be with women. That's wrong. Uh, basically, he gets called in there. Like, this is what's so stupid, though, about the CTU stuff. Audrey basically whispers in Edgar's shoulder, "I got something for you in the server room." She could have just said. I need Chloe for something. Cover for Chloe because she calls him into the other room so Lynn can see her whispering to Edgar, him following her, and then him coming back to basically say, Edgar, cover for Chloe. You've just made it that much more suspicious. Again, giving Lynn, you know, uh, giving him the benefit of the doubt, like he has reason to be suspicious of these people. Um, We get uh, Carrie getting introduced. Has she been introduced prior to this? Or is this literally her first episode? I think. Think with he might have been in the background prior her before maybe i'll find out yeah i mean he's now this is the one point where lynn is like all right carrie you're fired no, it's apparently you're all fired it's the first one um and she's only in one more episode but she's pretty significant role in the next episode does that not remind you of um tomorrow never dies get out of my sight you're fired yeah <laughs> carver on the stage with the secretary i love that woman but i mean yeah this is the only thing they they have to do where it's like well lynn's definitely bad he fired yeah. her it's like okay we but again i'm looking at this as in fan writing rewriting what's already here lynn has reason to be upset with everybody and now he's having a mental breakdown and everybody is partly responsible for this you mm-hmm. know uh if if one day my employees just all of a sudden stop listening to everything i say and they just start doing their own thing i'm probably gonna eventually have a mental breakdown you know we saw this uh, on an episode of double seven when i lost it at you and noah that one time like i mean i had a mental <laughs> breakdown i have reason to you tortured me you make fun of me for my madonna love like come on <laughs> just push one step too far but i that's i think where i accepted a little bit more because we did have last week where it's like lynn's in the right and the show should be addressing the fact that lynn's in the right still 
I mean, Lynn's not going to be completely out of the loop after this. We still have him for a while. So, I mean, maybe there are a couple scenes coming up that I've forgotten about. Mm. Uh, but him him he's, firing... He's, he's kind of in a cell no. for about three weeks before you see him again. So, yeah, no. But Carrie getting fired is really the only reason that he's done anything wrong here. He almost fires Ed. Well, you can't do this. You didn't do anything wrong. You want to be next, Edgar? I'm sorry, boss. But, but like, you see, I love how he says that. Like, you say one more word, you're fired. The next minute, where's Chloe? I just thought Edgar to be like... And then he goes, she's oh, in she's the room. Having, you're fired. She's having sex with Audrey. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's watch. That's what he actually thinks is going on right now because they never told him. <laughs> but... Uh, the, he, Lynn immediately finds them. And I, I love the, the surprise of they're in the room and all of a sudden Lynn's like, I knew it. <laughs> uh, and this is where, again, you, you side with Lynn a little bit because it's like, Lynn, calm down. I needed her help for some DOD stuff. It's like, all right, then just ask me and I'll say, yeah. he literally says, just ask me. Yeah. This guy's doing nothing wrong and they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, th- yeah. It, it, this entire section here is all just about Lynn's breakdown here. They're saying at one point, now this is something I wish we'd had a little bit of uh, a line in here with the motorcade because Audrey just comes in, or I can't remember if it's Audrey or Chloe says, oh, we discovered there's maybe an attack on Edgar. We've discovered there may be an attack on the motorcade. He finds the chatter, passes it to Chloe in order, which I'll have some issues with this, but yeah. But, and then Lynn's like, all right, ignored. Like, I kind of see it from his point of view because at this point, because he says that line where he's like, I've been embarrassed by you people enough. Like you can look at this as in he's having a mental breakdown. You could look at it as in, you know, the boy who cried wolf, they're all lying to him. He knows they're all lying to him. What else are they up to right now? But explore this a little bit more. Have him be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Just like you were working on DOD stuff with Chloe, right? I've just found right here mm. that you were talking to Jack. Now, why is everybody talking to Jack? Uh, he can't fire Audrey, of course, because she doesn't work for him. And I, I love the way he says, oh, but Chloe does. You know, Again, a very solid point. You're taking his staff. Last season was all about we don't have the resources. Season three, all about we don't have the resources. Season two, we don't have the resources. You have resource issues at CTU. We know this. You're stealing his people for your own work. He has reason to be upset. Uh, the Audrey argument, though, I, I like the, the way this just comes in and out. They're like, okay, fine. We're not exploring this motorcade attack. And then Audrey, Liz literally mid-conversation with Lynn saying, yes, but if this attack happens, like this is going to be the, the next escalation in terrorism. We have to explore this. Her performance is fantastic. She's His great. performance is fantastic here. Um, Audrey needs to call Edgar off again. Edgar, I need to see you again. Now she's messaging him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's wiping like, the corners of her mouth. I need you again, Edgar. <laughs> Round two. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get uh, enough of you. But like, what's funny though, this is where I, I, I'm not telling them write this in, but like Edgar thinking this is another threesome. And now he shows up and he's like, oh, you didn't tell me that Curtis would be here this time. <laughs> Cause now she's got I'm Curtis. And this is where they bring up section 112. You know, this is where you can relieve somebody for um, you know, th- th- their command if they're mentally uh, unstable. And uh, Edgar immediately like, that would be illegal. That would be bad. And Chloe's response is my only line, fine. <laughs> the difference between Edgar and Chloe. No, that's bad, guys. That's illegal. Okay, I'm going to jail anyways. I've done enough. Uh, and then Curtis, the voice of reason in this episode, I think that this may be going a little too far. <laughs> he has a point. Uh, but they're saying we need you because you're the ranking agent, so you're the only one who could do this. Um, we have uh, Lynn going on another you know, uh, tirade here. 
uh the the attack is actually happening i don't know i can't remember if they actually got word to somebody about the attack no, here that, they, they do that. they do once lin is arrested well taken oh, okay. into custody i should say okay so so yeah th th this becomes the showdown here where he's like all right you know escort audrey out of here and then put chloe in custody and edgar in custody again he has reason to do this he's <laughs> within his rights uh but at the same time he has become mentally unstable and he has become irrational he's doing it because of their treatment of him though so you know blame on both sides here uh curtis is it's like hold on a second i'm now ranking officer you know you will not do that uh pulling the gun and everything like in a way i like this showdown it's it's like a big epic moment and i think it's the performances including roger cross here i mean this is one of the few times he actually gets to do more than just repeat a line and be the computer in galaxy quest you are being uh, but too. <laughs> <laughs> you are mentally unstable <laughs> i am uh he, he literally is just saying the obvious you here, are but, yelling uh, at me that is inappropriate <laughs> But then once uh, he's got Lynn, you know, in custody or whatever, and he's taking command, he's like, all right, get news to the White House. And this is where it kind of becomes about nothing, because I don't even think my brain was thinking about it. But this intersects with a Logan storyline here where they're going to call up and say, sir, there's an attack on the motorcade. And he's like, thank you for the news that we definitely did not know before <laughs> now. <laughs> but this will tie Logan's hands for what's going to come up next, which creates a little bit of drama that, again, I wish they had done more to play up on but uh i don't mind uh, some of the ctu stuff i mind some of it i don't mind i actually particularly like the showdown that they have here mm. because of the performance that everybody's given leading up to this it's built the drama to this point where whether it's the right decision scripting wise or not the performances have sold me on it it's just pointless drama though and that's the issue i have because like you've literally written into this like oh wouldn't it be great if there's like a showdown and do this and do that and it just again it makes the characters look stupid because there is no reason for them to go behind this guy's back. Like, it's just, it just, it makes me angry. And like, again, I know you've always got to have this like Jack against the world mentality, but like, why wasn't this being done in season one, two, three or four? When I would argue the bosses are being worse, you know, like Lenny is doing his job. Lenny's not doing anything wrong. Okay. He fired Carrie a little bit too quickly, but outside of that, like, that's just done in there to kind of prove the point that the fans should hate this guy. Because, yeah. like, again, he literally catches Audrey stealing Chloe to use her for resources in another room. As you said, he's 100% right. If he yeah. can't get rid of her, then stop stealing the staff, Audrey. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. go go on your little desk. Like, I, I'm all on board. Audrey and Kim Raver, she's fantastic, but... At the end of the day, she's very much in the wrong here because she's, like, doing all the stuff here with this. And then, like, Curtis is kind of a voice of reason. I get it. But then it's just like, oh, but, like, what is the point of that? And then the thing that really frustrates me is that when, whenever in this show they decide to use technology, that if they actually use it all the time, this season would be over in two hours. Because apparently mm -hmm. they've got the capability to hear what the terrorists are planning. <laughs> Duh, I heard word that they might be blowing up the motorcade. But even then, it's kind of dumb. Oh, so they kept repeating a number, and that has to be a highway. And that just happens to be where the president's going. How do they know where the president's motorcade route is? I thought this was a secret service thing. Why does CTU know where it is? And it's just, if this technology exists, why weren't they at the Ontario airport an hour beforehand? Why weren't, wasn't President Palmer stopped from being killed? 
do terrorists only talk on the phone when CTU are listening? Like, it's just, it's convenient. And like, I get why they do it. I get why they're adding this drama. But that's just one of these frustrating plot things that you sometimes have in TV shows and movies where if you've got technology that's available, don't make it only available when it services a plot to add a bit of drama because then you just, you add yourself plot holes and dig yourself in a hole because you're not going to use this in like two weeks time either when you're going to be fucking attacked again, CTU. Um, So anyway, it's frustrating. And the one thing too, is it a plot hole? So when Audrey goes to um, Lynn and it's all like, Lynn, there's an attack on the motorcade. Lynn's like, well, shit happens. We're not doing anything about it. Can't Audrey just go, okay, I don't actually work for CTU. I work for the Department of Defense. I'm going to call my father. There's some line they have in there. Like, this this is what bothered me because they have some line in there. It's like, Fine, pass it along to. They mentioned some other department, oh, right? Not they, even DOD. They, I think they say DOD, and then they say like, "Oh, they've got to go through a process." Well, no, th- I think th- it wasn't DOD. They mentioned that's what bothered me. They said, "Fine, pass NSA, it along to Homeland Security." Homeland Security, Homeland Security. Yeah. yeah, yeah, NSA or Homeland Security, and they say, "Okay, well, they can't do that." But then she could just say, "All right, Dad, yeah, you are high up the Department of Defense. You're the Secretary of Defense. Last year, how many times?" Did Heller just say, all right, I'm Secretary of Defense. Do this. He assumed command of CDU. He's like, what, fourth or fifth in line for the presidency? Like, and doesn't Audrey have a direct line to the president? Like, again, this is yeah. where there's a massive plot hole because why is she all of a sudden about procedure all of a sudden when she's been behind everyone's <laughs> back? Like, I'm sorry, Audrey, you're kind of to blame for this as well. Like, yeah. you could just literally say to Lynn, if you don't tell him, I will then. And Lynn <laughs> could be like, well, you don't work for me. You can do what you want. Okay. Yeah. Dad. <laughs> Um, like, it just, it doesn't make sense. I hate this section where they, like, drawing guns on each other in, like, it's dumb. It's so over the top. Like, it's just the fact that Lynn's like, oh, and I don't even know who this security guard is. Greg, let's call him Greg. There he is, like, red shirt. He's all like, oh, he'll shoot you. And then what does even Curtis say? And I will draw my weapon. Like, I just want them to say, like, Lynn gets Greg to shoot Curtis. Curtis shoots Lynn. (laughs) Like, and then who's in control? Freaking <laughs> Carrie? Like, <laughs> it just it doesn't make... Why are they drawing guns on each other? It's so stupid. They didn't even draw a gun on Jamie when she was found out to be evil, did they? Yeah. Like, I mean, no one's evil here. <laughs> oh, it's just fucking dumb. I hate it. And then why does Curtis... Like, Curtis is, like, ranking official. Like... Shouldn't the first thing he does, like, I get why he's calling Bill, like, because Bill was, you know, detained and he's our man, he's our boss. Shouldn't the first thing Curtis does is call the president? Like, is time of not of the essence here? It's like, (laughs) all right, we've got rid of that guy. Let's get Bill in and we'll catch him up pretty quickly. Because then they're just kind of like, Bill, this is what's happening. They literally waste, like, two minutes explaining him. I just want the, like, the the Subaru motorcade to get blown up beforehand. (laughs) Ah, well, if you only had to just call it there. You're not a very good leader, Curtis. It's mm-hmm. just frustrating. It's just needless drama. I mean, the only way I can say this does anything for the plot later on is Lynn's in a holding cell. So that's going to mean something, you know, in a couple of weeks time. But outside of that, I I, I hate this. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as say I hate it. Again, I, I, I kind of agree with your points, but it's just it doesn't bother me as much. And I think last week's episode did brace me for this a little bit more. Um, Logan stuff, before we get to Logan stuff, 
Uh, we should mention there's Julian Sands is going to call him. Oh. Uh, elephant in the room here. <laughs> Last week we talked about Julian Sands, and uh, apparently he's not quite declared dead yet but has been missing for the last five months you told me about this yesterday and i don't understand the logic of this because if you've been missing for like five months six months and then they're like oh and they've resumed the search for him now i, I think i read a little bit more about it so he went he was hiking in january mm-hmm. he went missing and because it was so like snowy and bad weather they they, they sent like 200 people looking and couldn't find him so i think they resumed the search because they said like enough snow's melted now so i guess we're looking for his body I just want them to, like, in two days' time, be like, we found a hermit, like, living under a rock, and Julian yeah. Sands is, like, survived. So, I mean, yeah, I think, like, his brother and everything was interviewed, and, you know, they've all but said he's dead, which is sad. Like, what a, what a way to go. But yeah. why isn't this in the news more? Well, like, I, I think I told you yesterday when we were talking about off-air, like, I, I vaguely, when I read this, I'm like, oh, wait, I kind of remember a story about Julian Sands back at the beginning of the year, but... Like this is a big deal. Who's it? Um, the that guy. Um, he was the John Connor in Terminator Three. Um, Nick uh, something or other. Yeah, Nick Stahl. Stahl. Nick, Nick Stahl. Stahl. Yeah. yeah. Remember, like, I don't know, a couple of years ago, where he went missing, hmm. and it was like every day, it's like still no sign of Nick Stahl, and then he turns up, and it's still a news story. Like, I know Julian Sands. You know, he is more of a B movie actor, but he's like he's fairly famous. He's fairly well known. Most people would recognize him. A guy goes missing hiking, and he's a major celebrity. If if this was mentioned in the the news back in January, it wasn't you know mentioned widely enough that like I continued to keep up on it. Like this should be a bigger deal. The man, uh, Jorel, Superman's dad, <laughs> has been missing and is presumed dead. Two two things, and this is going to date in a few days because we're recording this in the middle of this, and they're either going to be dead or found. Like I mean, a couple of guys go missing in a fucking sub looking for the Titanic, and that's global news. I mean, not to take away, it's like it's a pretty you know like situation, but like I mean, if James Cameron was on that submarine. But then, like, remember when the um the chick from Glee, like, fell overboard? Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I liked Glee. Don't get me wrong. And I realized Glee was a big show. But, like, I would argue Julian Sands has had a much more esteemed career than whatever her name. I, I hated her character yeah. on Glee. She was annoying. But, like, I mean. Oh, was... she was great. She was great because she was annoying. No, I just, ugh, ugh, could not stand her at all. But, like, I, I mean, <laughs> it was sad that she died. Don't get me wrong. The Glee curse yeah. continues. But, like, it's still more of a case of. That was like, oh, they got to find her. Gonna... Julian Sands has been missing for... Julian Sands... Go find Julian Sands, people. <laughs> He's become sand at this point. Poor Julian. <laughs> yeah, so maybe rest in peace, Julian, but we hope for the best. There goes uh, our interview with him. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we had him booked to come on here. He got back to us he didn't show up. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. <laughs> we Even we him. forgot about him. Hey, hey, uh, hey, Oz Network. <laughs> See you soon. See you soon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, 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 really all we get from him in the beginning is, you know, calling up his henchman here, which I want to talk about the henchman here. So Mr. Most over the top Russian accent. Yeah, well, <laughs> now I this is the I crazy thing. Him, but he's not somebody I recognize. Well, this is a crazy thing. His Russian accent is like, really? You're supposed to be Russian. And then during the commentary, Gene Smart's like, this guy's actually Russian and he's very famous in Russia. Like this is a real Russian accent. I think it's just our, our we're so used to the fake Russian accent, we don't realize how real you know, one's supposed. To- you know what that reminds you of? Again, I don't know how familiar you were with Jag, but there was the Australian guy on that for a few years. No, um, and he had the most over-the-top Australian accent. It was like Simpsons, like "Hey, go on, Prime Minister!" Like it was so over the top. And I remember my dad and I when we watched it, we're like, "He's clearly an American putting on this accent. It's so bad." He was actually Australian. Um, so, and sadly, I think he might've 
killed himself halfway through that show. Like it was, it was a big deal back in the day. Like I don't, maybe he didn't kill. He died. He's gonna be, he's gonna be found with Julian Sands. Yeah, maybe. Tomorrow. But like he died during when Jag was at its peak. But like no, like that's kind of one of those funny things. And you got like an actor who you'll go like, oh, they're so fake on their accent. But when they're actually really from that country. But uh, yeah, I thought this guy was fake as well. So. Well, that is your theory on something else we talked about recently, where you're like, are they just trying to put on what they think? the American public hears is, you know, your typical Russian accent. But yeah, it does sound kind of weird coming from him, but maybe it is just real Russian. Um, but uh, yeah, he just tells him, okay, you need to go to the ambush point. We're about 40 minutes away here. I mean, this is the longest drive ever in Los Angeles. This is this is the first realistic drive we've gotten in yeah. Los Angeles. You know, 40 minute drive just to the ambush point, not alone, uh, let alone the airport. Uh, and why they arrive by helicopter? Why are they leaving by uh, limo? Did we ever find that out? I don't know. I've got so many issues around this. Don't worry, we'll get to that. But yeah, no, I don't know. That's a good point because plot's got a plot. Yeah, um, Mike is working on the statement. They're preparing in advance for the Suvorov's uh, uh, death. <laughs> uh, this is where he gets the phone call. Okay, all right. Yes, I will tell him. So. Pierce made a boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like, I do love though. It's like, well, why would he do that? It's like, because they're the secret service. It is a secret service motorcade. And she's accompanied by them. This is the, in their minds, this is the safest place for her to be. Um, so the, they're, they're saying there's no reason for there to stop them. Uh, now the whole dilemma of this episode is, do we alert them? Do we call her back? Do we not? He places a phone call to Martha. And this is really funny when, when before the phone call comes to Martha, where they're just in limo and uh, Mrs. Suvorov is. So, yeah, my aunt took me to an orange grove when I was here, when I was a girl. And then Martha's like, oh, yes, I was only here once. I don't remember any orange groves. Uh, so later in the episode, after this, we get the phone call where she's like, uh, oh, yes, Charles. Oh, I will, I will see you soon. <laughs> and he's like, come back, Martha. You're going to die. Okay, okay. You're breaking up. I can't hear you. Oh, Charles. Coming into a tunnel. He just, yeah, he, he he couldn't find, he couldn't find his pen, his lucky pen. And I had, <laughs> I was the last one to have it. My mistake. Um, I do love though. This is something that I, I have to think, listening to the commentary, this is something Gene Smart added where um, uh, you have that moment where she's looking all paranoid all of a sudden where it's almost like, oh, why isn't he calling us back? She's looking out the window. She's looking up front. She's she's almost starting to sweat a little bit because the way she's talking about it, the commentary is not like it's something scripted. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I kind of thought that, you know, we should do this and uh, that, you know, maybe she should be, she's talking about what's in her head. She's like, in her head, she's thinking, Charles should have called me back by now. Maybe this was a bad idea. But so it, I, I think it's just a, a smart thing that she added into the episode. But then there's a deleted scene. So again, when you watch on the DVDs, you have the 24 logo that comes up on screen when there's a deleted scene and you click on it and that's where it takes you to the scene. So right after this moment where she's panicking, getting close to the end of the episode, you click on it and it comes up with a deleted scene which starts with Mrs. Subrov going, my aunt took me to this orange grove when I was a little girl and Martha's like zoning out. I'm like, is she still talking about the orange grove? Like, Then I realize it's the exact same scene that played early in the episode, but they've included it as a deleted scene. <laughs> I guess where it's it was originally supposed to be here. Right. A great special feature, you know, <laughs> Fox Entertainment. We're just going to show you where the original scene was because I'm thinking like this lady doesn't shut up about the orange grove. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, as the I would love it when the attack actually happens here, because that's basically what happens. You know, the the the, the attack is still going ahead, or uh, right as CTU's uh, about to intercept them or whatever. I just want oh bullets everywhere. I remember this is just like when my entropy orange girl. <laughs> <laughs> Are the oranges here to protect us? I just wanted some point in season eight when the Russians come back in, Super, Mr. Surov's in a room. It's like, oh. and then they had oranges in the orange grove. My aunt took me and we got to pick the oranges from the orange grove. <laughs> Reboot at 24. It's going to be out, start throwing oranges at the terrorists. Yeah, exactly. Oh, leave my niece alone. <laughs> Don't mess with the lady who's been to an orange grove 30 years ago. <laughs> so we're known for California oranges. Isn't that Florida? Are they known for their oranges? California. Florida. California must be as well. Um, sure. They have orange groves. Why not? Noah uh, anyways, Groves. That, so, <laughs> Noah Groves is orange groves. There's a, you can start a business. Move to move to California. You can start Noah's Orange Groves. <laughs> if, if, you, if you Google California Groves, I've typed in California Groves, California, Ben. Good job. Um, <laughs> orange Groves, California. Uh, what happened to the orange groves in California? People often ask. Oh, it's probably Romania, the first lady of Russia. Um, yeah, so Charles, I do love his scenes with Mike here, though. Like, this is where we get to see a little bit of broken Charles. But it is funny where he's, he's like, Mike, I need your advice on something. You know, my dad used to always tell me uh, this and this and this. And it's like, but tell me your take. He's basically asking for Mike's fatherly advice. It's like, it's nice they have this relationship where it's like Mike's his dad. Uh, and <laughs> then you you have uh, the, the moment where it's like, Mike, pray with me, Daddy. Oh. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know, sir, if I've, I've got a lot of stuff to do. Mike, just do it. Uh, but I mean, we're seeing broken Charles Logan here, which does become a bit of a problem later on. But again, I think I think it's just uh, once we find out everything happens later on, I want to look back on all this. Is, is this like he legitimately didn't think that you know his wife could be I, collateral damage, and this is a broken moment for him? I think. This is one of those ones where I thought that, but I think you can kind of excuse it because Logan's sort of on the Walt page that like the reasons why they did this, this is something that was not anticipated. So yeah. technically Logan isn't involved with Bjerko doing this part right now. So um, yeah, like I, but it's still, there are issues around it because later on he's all well and good morning to slap and send Martha away. So why yeah. isn't he just like, oh, well, lol, there goes the old ball and chain. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I, I mean, we're getting good performances out of this in, this entire episode, and we're getting different sides of Logan, which I like. Uh, and then when they get the phone call about the attack, it is kind of just like, thank you. Uh, we will keep that in mind. You uh, definitely where... didn't know about it. <laughs> but it does add a different dimension to it. Where you're like, it, it at first, I kind of looked at it like, well, this is all pointless because – CTU, the, all, all the drama is about getting this to Logan, but then it does add something where Logan's like, now we're obligated to say something, you know? And, and now we have to intervene. And then it adds this drama on the end where CTU, you know, obviously starts stopping the motorcade. We get the shootout and all that, uh, which there is some good action there. Uh, and uh, now Logan's like, okay, they're going to know that we, you know, uh, know the Bierko is going to know that we know and, and that we knew and that we ordered this. That we what is stopped that? The, the, hey, hey, baby. Ooh. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> he's going to know that we got a call. Anybody who's been to any sporting event knows that one. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I love all the different conflicts that this caused, even though my first instinct was like, 
Like, why are they pushing about this? Like, this is just bad writing because we know that the motorcade he can't be stopped or he doesn't need to stop. But it does add a lot to it, the end here. Uh, and then the final phone call with Bierko, uh, where he's basically saying, I didn't know anything about this. Like, they acted on their own. And he's like, all right, uh, you know, then then uh, we're going to make innocent Americans pay. This will be our final. I love that line. This will be our final conversation. Just hangs up. No, no, no. That That's a great cliffhanger. So I, I think of all three storylines that are going on here, the Jack stuff has one or two decent moments, but it's mostly garbage. The CTU stuff, I think I'm 50-50 on. Uh, the Logan drama this week, I think, is like, it's a 9 out of 10. Uh, for the most, like, this, this is where I said the start of this starts off well. Because like, I like when he finds out Martha is in the car. I like when he calls Martha, and I kind of like his reactions, and it's kind of, it adds an element of drama. And I do like the ending, even though I think it's very contradictory of Bierko. It makes no sense. A week ago, he kills What's-His-Face because, like, you are going to kill Americans. This isn't what we want. We want to kill Russians. And it's like, all of a sudden, like, okay, well, we'll kill Americans now. It's like you just completely contradict who this guy is in two seconds. So it's kind of like, okay. But, yeah, I do like this element of they're kind of obligated now. They have to, like, react. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the argument could be, well, yes, we've known all about about this all along and we're doing this because they're going to release Syntox. You could technically tell CTU and just be like, well, you know, you know, shit's going to happen. He's only the Russian president. Come on, he's not like he's yeah. the Canadian one or anything. Like, he's not someone we like. Um, so, I think those Russians are bad, though. Yeah, not in 2006, <laughs> they weren't. They, we liked them back then. Um, so, yeah, but, like... Everything, like, I hate the prayer scene so fucking much. It's maybe my least favorite thing this entire episode. Like, I've, I've talked on so many of these shows that we've done that when you get preachy with religion, I hate it. There's a, an episode of Third Watch, which has J.K. Simmons in it, which overall should be a great episode, but they just shove religion down your throat to the point where it's just like, stop it. There's been Nip Tuck episodes where they've done it. It's just, it's just like, just like, there's a level of religion where it's like, you just go too far with it. Like, we get it. All right, like, why do you need him praying? Like, it's just dumb. Um, be a man and don't pray. Um, but then there's just other, like, elements of this which are dumb. Like, you're right, the helicopter bit I didn't think about. Why do they leave, like, again, plot's going to plot. And the thing that's an issue with this, like, it's all well and good to be, like, 40 minutes downtown, finally, some LA distance, as you say. But, like, why the hell is the motorcade of a superpower of the world, a major world leader, just casually driving down the freeways of LA with like a couple of like cops and sirens. Like yeah. when there was a APEC. Especially after all the terrorist attacks this day. Exactly. There was like an APEC or a G20 or some big global summit of leaders in Australia in like 2013, 2014. It was in Brisbane. So yeah, like Obama and Putin and like, I think Trudeau, was he still in, if it wasn't Trudeau, it was Harper. One, you know, Canada, Canada, all the world leaders were here, that were the important ones. And uh, uh, what's the the Chinese Xi Jinping, um, the, the premier, the president, whatever you call him, he was in Australia and he came to Tasmania. This was like the first time ever a world leader outside of the Australian prime minister had ever come to Tasmania. This was a big fucking deal. To the point where they basically closed all of Hobart down. You could not drive anywhere because they were like the Chinese presidents here. They like we've got a big mountain overlooking Hobart. They closed the mountain because he wanted to go up to the top of the mountain. Like it's a big fucking deal. Obama, President Obama mm-hmm. was in Sydney a couple of months ago to do a speaking tour. Everywhere he went, they closed like streets. The guy's not even president anymore. Like like if the Russian president 
is driving down LA, you're not just driving down like the 101 in your Toyota Corolla going, hey, I see you on TV, Putin, all the best. Um, I was going to say a Rivadurche, but that's not Russian. Um, das Batanya, whatever it is. Um, and then also my biggest question is, where's the Russian Secret Service? Why is it like... Why is it the American Secret Service's responsibility to protect the Russian president? It's not. Like, I yeah. love watching these random videos on YouTube where it's like the most protected people on the planet, right? And, you know, outside of like Biden and like Elon Musk apparently has like got like Secret Service style of security and all this sort of stuff. Like Vladimir Putin is basically, I think he was, if he wasn't above, the, maybe he was one spot above the queen. He was only like one spot below Biden as like the most protected person on the planet. And like he has a traveling like group of Russian KGB style agents who follow him everywhere. And like, that's not just because it's a Putin thing. Cause he's Putin. This is a Russian Federation thing because it's Russia. Like we joked on Indiana Jones about like the Russian perspective of America is that they're evil. Like they're just as protective of their world leaders as the Americans are. My rant about this is why is just the super, I'm just chilling in the back talking about orange grows with Martha Logan. <laughs> so then when all of a sudden they're attacked, and this is, again, a massive issue I have with this episode just being forgotten about. Right now, if we woke up to the news tomorrow that Vladimir Putin was in Washington for a summit with Joe Biden and on the way back to the airport, his motorcade was attacked. He survived, but he attacked. Do you think he, Putin's just going to go, oh, fuck, that was a close <laughs> call, lol. Anyway, yeah. got to get back to invading Ukraine. Bye. <laughs> like, no, that's going to be a massive global incident. So, like, I think the fact is that this is just gets laughed off and they're hugging each other. Oh, Aaron, you scallywag, you saved me again. You're getting a pay rise this month and maybe a blowjob later in the season. Shh, don't tell Charles. <laughs> like, why is it just chilled over? Like, it's just like, if you're going to have a show like this where you're going to have stuff like this happen, again, I've talked to this point about, like, yeah, you're going to go a bit outlandish, a bit cartoonish, but you also can't just, like, shove stuff under the rug of, like, like have this be, like, the president of Yemen or like fucking Djibouti or whatever that guy, like a country that no one's really going to have. Like the prime minister of Australia. We're not sending security over. Hey, mate, you fucking, yeah, Albo will be right, mate. Yeah, just put him in the fucking back of a van. No worries. Like put someone who's like not that important. Anyway, rant over. The action is okay. It's just needless. Uh, we lose like eight of America's finest here, but that's okay. Um... And then it's just kind of like, oh, let's hug it off. Lol, lol, well, <laughs> you old scallywag, right? <laughs> Look at you, Marvel. And you will get you near those orange grows. Oh, you dodged the bullet there. Literally, there's a few in the car there. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, uh, it's just pointless. And again, I want to like this. It's an action scene, but uh, I, I need to take a breath. <laughs> Uh, trivia for this episode. Um, I'm, I'm expect uh, low expectations based on the the, the book, but uh, I already had uh, gone through one or two bits here. Uh, one thing is the the name. Uh, what is it? Uh, Espinosa. Um, that that she es uses when she calls uh, no. Jane Espen Espenson. Uh, so yeah, that's a staff writer, showrunner, and executive producer of Battlestar Galactica, Caprica, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, so this is another one of our Buffy alum that they just give a nod to, uh, the screen at Omicron international, their, their visitor registry screen has names of mostly crew members of 24. Uh, just looking through this, a couple of the ones that I actually recognize here Ann Kofel Sanders, John Kassar is on there, Robert Cochran, 
Uh, and the entire list is all crew members. Um, Sean Astin is credited as special guest star. So this is the first time since season one that it hasn't been a former series regular that gets the special guest star. And uh, big news here. Peter Weller gets the and credit. Hmm. <laughs> uh, what is it? Does that like get you an extra pay credit? You know, like... I, well, I don't know if it does. I think sometimes it's like if you it's like star billing, you know, you hmm. negotiate for I want star billing or I want second billing. And occasionally they may say, OK, well, I don't care if I get star billing as long as I get the and billing. So I don't know if you actually get more money. It's just you, you would negotiate for that so that your name stands out a little bit more. Yeah, I which mean, is fair. I mean, he's he's fairly well known coming into this. Yeah, I, I kind of like if I was an actor, I mean, and like kind of looks cool. Um, the one here I actually like, which is interesting. So um, not to spoil the podium bomb for next season. Um, but they use footage from this episode in another explosion next season. Yeah. There you go. Um, the book really has nothing, to be honest. It basically uh, has, early in the season, Jack's alias is revealed as Frank Flynn. EP Howard Gordon reveals novelist Vince Flynn helped the writers brainstorm at the start of the fifth season for a few weeks. So the name Flynn stuck in his head and was used. And the, the large bit is about a set decorator creating the Omicron headquarters, basically talking about Feng Shui. So like fucking, that's why there's so many empty rooms and shit. So hire some extras. Uh, maybe, maybe instead of giving all the crew members names in the visitor registry, they have that many visitors in one day. Let's just put the crew members there as the visitors. Go back Fill and it look, out a little bit. Go back and look at that scene, how empty the fucking office is outside Henderson's office with <laughs> Tanya Dadudu or whatever her name is out the front there. Like for fuck's sake, no wonder it takes them half an hour to get to archives. <laughs> Uh, so I was on the fence as to whether I would buy this or rent it. Really, my ranking's not changing. I'm ranking this in the same spot. Uh, this was either going to be my highest rent or my lowest buy, because I actually do like a lot of this episode. Don't buy uh, this, Colin. Well, that's no. what I was, I, I was coming in thinking, I actually kind of want to buy this. It's just like, oh, it's the weak, it's the worst Don't buy. But I'm going to go higher and say that it's my highest rent. So no. this will officially be a rent, although my overall ranking of this is going to stay in the exact same spot. Uh, so this is 59 overall for me. It would have been 59 if it was my lowest buy, but officially I'll make it my highest rent at 59. Uh, 59. Sounds like 69. That's a sex position, Colin. Look it up. Um, yeah, it's obviously a bin. Uh, that, that, that wasn't a spoiler at all coming into this. Um, in terms of ranking it, though, um, I am going to have this. So the worst episode I have is the Cougar episode. This is not worse than that episode. The second worst episode I have is Terry Gets Amnesia episode. This is not worse than that episode. But it is slightly worse than Jack Stops an EMP episode. So um, I have this is the third worst episode at wow. 104th right that now. That is really harsh. Like, again, I said this is one of the highest ranked on IMDb. It's really in the top eight of the season because a whole bunch Ooh. of episodes are like an 8.7. But like an 8.7 on IMDb, I mean... This is this is a bit of a hot take from Ben Waterworth to have it ranked as top one of the lowest of all time. Eight of the, that's the top third of the. I have this as the worst of this season. The, the the only other episode in this season that I've been is the penultimate episode, um, and even then I'm looking here on my complete overall rankings, and that only ends up two spots above this on my overall. So this will end up at 182nd out of 216 episodes. Mm. There's basically a whole season six and legacy to go underneath this, so don't worry. Um, but, uh, yeah, this 
literally will only end up two spots below the other bad episode of this season. Um, other than that, I'm looking here, there's a lot of six, there's a lot of seven, and there's a lot of legacy underneath this. So um, just just a forewarning there. But no, like, thankfully we get better uh, from here. Again, this isn't a six or a seven where as soon as it starts going bad, you're off. It's kind of like four last season. We talked a lot about how, you know, there was a bad stretch of episodes, but then all of a sudden, like, it picked up again. And then all of a sudden there was a bad episode, but then it picked up again. So, I mean, I'm just going to spoil this right now. The next six episodes for me will be buys. So um, there will be a rent in the middle of that, then another five buys, a rent, a bin, and then a buy. So I've just spoiled my season. Uh, but for the most part, there are only three more episodes for me for the remainder of this season that will not be buys. So that's just to show you the strength of what I believe is to come in this season. So we get better next week. And we're only well, two weeks next away week we get... from an amazing episode. And next week we get the return of Tony. He's out of his coma. And um... I thought next week was the return of Kim, but we're two weeks away from Kim. But uh, yeah, Tony is back next week. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else big happening next week. I just sort of well, look to see. wife gets shot in the dick. Henderson's wife. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Henderson's wife and Tony coming back next week. Um, uh, other than that, we are currently up to... We're done, King of the Crystal Skull? We or... did it last week, Colin. That was fantastic. We're, yeah. So we're just counting down the minutes to Dial of Destiny, which I'm sure we'll have a review on as quickly as we can possibly get it. And then Anniversary Month will start after that. And uh, 24 will continue um, until we get to uh, Legacy and then end it uh, before Still Legacy starts. many <laughs> years away, people. But we're, I think we're uh, probably maybe a, a two or so, through, oh, probably a few more months away from our beating third watch in terms of our longest TV recap. That had 136 and we're, what, about 108, 103. Mm-hmm. So maybe 30-odd weeks away. But we will beat our record for longest TV recap of this eventually and also the marvel show secret invasions out now too which i'm oh. we'll probably just end up talking about that on patreon and won't do like weekly coverage but uh that's like the big one that's gotten bad reviews because everything's getting bad reviews nowadays but uh, i'm still excited to see it that's starting and it'll continue for the Who's next in that weeks. is that anyone samuel notable? jackson oh of course the nick is. fear is basically a nick fury series oh but, i didn't uh, know that there you go um yeah so Subscribe to our Patreon if you want to hear us talk about Secret Evasion eventually. And also, you can get spoiler reviews. Uh, we did one of The Flash, and depending on what Dial of Destiny includes, you might end up doing one for Dial of Destiny for a spoiler was a as well. Dial <laughs> of Destiny. Spoiler. <laughs> Indy turned out to be the father of Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, you don't even have to pay for it. We're going to tell you right now before the movie's out. Uh, anyways, my name is Colin, and this one time my aunt took me to an orange grove in California. <laughs> And my name is Ben. And why is it on my screen, Carrie? Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)